0: of oh. Every bit of praise we're giving Is it good to be a church? Is it good to be worshipping God? I'm loving that there's more and more numbers coming back Because um, I love doing community with people There's something beautiful about doing community As well So we're going to get straight into this tonight Does that sound alright? So you're going to take a seat And I want to read some scripture This is what Galatians 6 says just as we've come off the back of just a great time of worship, I want us to to hear this, Galatians 6, because this is a passage for me that um, is significant. I mean, it's critical for my life. It's critical for my future and my directions as well. And so turn with me to Galatians 6. I'm going to read this in the NLT version. So in whatever format you have your Bible in, whether it's paper, whether it's digital, grab it out because it, it helps. It helps to be able to underline things, to read through it as we're going through stuff. Um, I'll be jumping around a fair bit, so if you get lost, don't worry. You can re-watch it again. Um, this is what it says. Galatians 6 verse 7 says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Listen, listen to this part you will always harvest what you plant. Whatever you are sowing into right now, that is where you're gonna draw a harvest from. This is what Galatians is saying. Verse eight says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit They will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good because just at the right time, it may not be tonight, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next year, it might not be in 10 years' time, but at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if, it says, if we don't give up. And it says... As well, I look at this, I'm thinking, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anyone in the room tonight that wants to harvest decay in their life. Is that right? And so, my prayer for us tonight, we're going to pray in a minute, but is that we will be a people that will reap a harvest of incredible blessing and not a harvest of decay. That is my prayer. So will you join me as we pray? Lord God, we just wanna ask you right now, I wanna thank you for that beautiful time of worship we had. Lord, just pouring out our hearts to you, being reminded of your promises, knowing and being reminded of who we stand on being reminded of who the battle belongs to, Lord. It's so good, just the unity of voices singing out and declaring, Lord, your, your spirit ministering to our hearts as we pour out our praise to you, Lord God. And I want to pray now as we, we look at the word of God, I just pray you'll lead us, you'll guide us, and you'll change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Uh, I'm, I might have talked a few times about this holiday that I had um, probably about three years ago now, it's just I like to relive these holidays, and for some of you who don't know, my wife and I, Bree, did a trip overseas, we went to the Holy Land, and one of the places that we were in for a while was Israel, all right, and um, if anyone knows me when you go on holidays, I always seem to end up in these little events or circumstances that could be, I don't know, a little bit different, you know what I mean? We're like, how did I end up in this situation? Has anyone else experienced those things? That's good. Well, don't holiday with me and you'll be all right. But this is what happened. Brie and I in Israel arrived at our hotel we were staying at. We'd had a big day of travel. And um, we were in the city of Tel Aviv. And now Tel Aviv, if you know it, is right on the Mediterranean Ocean or Mediterranean Sea. And it's like a, um, like a bath, but not, you know, not the sunny coast. It's the Mediterranean. And um, we arrived. We put our bags upstairs. And if you know me, I, if there is a body of water, I will want to swim in it. All right? That's just how I am, especially if it's salt water. If it's winter, I will be in there. You ask Bree. There's just something amazing about it. So what I did is when I looked out and I could see the Mediterranean Sea right there, I said to Bree, I'm like, let's go. Let's go for a swim. And she's like, Oh, John, it's, it's blowing a gale. Like it was blowing a gale. And I said, It's right, It's not Kings Beach. It's the Mediterranean. We're going to, nothing wrong with Kings Beach, by the way. And I said, It's the Mediterranean. I said, When do you get a chance to do this? And so I convinced her, and uh, we crossed the road, we walked up the steps, and um, then we saw in front of us this beach, we looked down on it and there was two sections to this beach, there was more the surf side on this part which was getting battered by the wind and then there was a calmer spot on this side and it had this beautiful big pavilion that was wrapped around it. and. You know, everyone over there seemed to be out of the wind and having fun. And so, but I thought, you know, let's go to the windy side where there's a, a lot of swell so I can just flounder around in the waves. And so off we went. And I went in there and I was swimming around and the wind it was chilly, all right? So I said to Bree, this is no good. We need to go back to that other beach because everyone over there just seems like they're having a peaceful time. So what I did is we packed up our gear and we walked. As we got closer to this pavilion, I was like, oh, it's, I'm not quite sure where the entrance is. And so I found this little gap, and I'm like, oh, that looks like an entrance. And I'm like, let's go. And so we walked through, and we came out the other side, and yeah, it was calm and beautiful. And so we started walking down towards the water's edge. But as I was walking down towards the water's edge, I was noticing that people were looking at me. And I was a bit like, oh, like I don't like to stand out, like... And I'm thinking, oh, like, you know, I know with all my hair I can look a bit bizarre sometimes, but surely I'm not that bad to draw attention. I was thinking maybe my physique is starting to get better. Um, It wasn't that, that's for sure. Then I started thinking, well, maybe with my hair and someone who walked around this place 2,000 years ago, maybe they think that I look like someone, (laughs) but it wasn't that either. We got down to the waterfront. And we began to put our towels down and this, this lady said something to me and I, I leant in and I couldn't understand what she was saying and she said it again and I was like, couldn't hear it. Brie leant in and she picked it up and she looked at me and, and she had this smirk on her face and she said, John, I look around. She's like, this is an all women's beach. Here I was with my shirt off, fully sunscreened, so I was glistening in the Mediterranean sun. And we were in an all-women's beach. And I just remember, I put my head down. I just wanted to shrink, you know what I mean? Like, if we were in some other countries, that would not be a good situation. And so I just put my head down, I put my sunnies on, and we just walked, you know what I mean? We walked for the exit, and I think Bree was still laughing. I, I remember distinctly looking to the side of me and seeing kids hiding behind their mothers. This is no joke. See, as I recount this horror story that I experienced, it reminded me how this can resemble our life and our spiritual journey. This is what it reminded me of, of how easy it can be for us to be doing life completely unaware that the current path that we're on at this point is not leading us in the right direction. Hence what Galatians is saying. It's saying, where are we sowing into right now and what harvest is it gonna produce? And the word that came to mind as I I read this passage and I I thought of uh, my story was deceived. Now I know I wasn't deceived in that moment. Bree wasn't like, come on, let's go in. It wasn't like that but I was reminded about deception. And what I want to hit home tonight is this theme that God laid on my heart, not just for you, but for me. So said, let us not be deceived. That's the word for us tonight. Deceived means to deliberately cause someone to believe something that is not true, especially for personal gain. See, as we journey through life, all right, I'm only a short 39 years at the moment, but in my 39 years of journeying, I've realised that as we do life, we collect all these experiences, all these ideas, all these thoughts, all these concepts, and little do we know that as we're doing this, we are forming the framework in which we make life decisions. It's shaping our thoughts, and it's shaping Our minds. Have you experienced it in this your life? But the problem goes like this Are these things truth or are they deception? So we're living in a time when it's becoming more and more difficult to work out and determine and navigate what is true or what is misleading, what has been stretched what has been twisted, what has been distorted, what is false? And see, deception will have an impact on our life journey. It will have an impact on us emotionally. In some uh, cases, it will have an impact on us physically. But particularly, it has an impact on us spiritually and in many cases, eternally. See, I, I don't think that anyone in this room wants to be heading down a path that is not going to bring life. I don't think anyone in this room wants to be deceived, but this is our reality. And if being deceived has so much of an impact on us, and if we're going to be talking about not being deceived, well, we better understand the source of where deception comes from. See, I'm not talking about maybe the people who are, You know, around you, they might have deceptive schemes. We've all experienced that. I'm not even talking about maybe the deceptive nature that's within us, the deceptive nature that is inbuilt within me. What is important for us to understand is that there is a greater force at play, a force that thrives in deception. I want us to cast our mind back to a a few months ago. Remember we did that series on the spiritual warfare? Um, It was a brilliant series. If you haven't been able to watch that or connect in with that, make sure you do it. You can get that on the Bridgman YouTube channel. Make sure you do that. But in that series we were reminded afresh that there is a spiritual warfare taking place, that there is a spiritual battle raging in the life or for the lives of mankind. It's a battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. It sounds almost a bit mystical, doesn't it? But this is what Ephesians 6 reads, Ephesians 6.12, and I'm reading this from the NLT version. It says this, for we are not fighting against fled, flesh and blood enemies, but we're actually fighting against um, we're actually fighting against the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And this is why First Peter, First Peter five eight says, so stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because guess what? It says here that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is what the Word of God is saying to us tonight. Listen how it's described in John 8, As It's described who Satan is, what Satan's nature is. This is what it says. Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know what John is telling us here? Satan's ultimate agenda is to murder. The destruction of human life to separate us from God forever. This is what the Bible is telling us about the one who lives and thrives in deception. And see, Jesus knew this, and that's why he taught about this. See, this deception seems to be the tool that Satan loves to use. And see, because if Satan can deceive people, then he has the power to destroy human life and all that is valuable in the human race. Let's, let's think about this. If he can shape your mind, he can change your heart. If Satan can deceive the way you think things, if he can change your thoughts and ideas on stuff, it is going to directly impact your heart. Think about how he does deception. Some of the critical ones that he plays significant part in. We see deception in relationships, don't we? We see deception taking place in marriage and what marriage looks like and the role of marriage. We see it in friendships. Satan loves to get in and deceive in friendships. He loves to deceive in communities. He loves to split communities. Why is this? Because these are all precious to the human race to the human race. And all these things, when done the way that God has intended them to be, what does it do? It produces life, it produces joy, and it produces stability. This is what God wants for us, is to have life. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have stability. But I can tell you this. If something produces life, if it breathes life, I can promise you that Satan will be right there ready to distort it. Ready to add deceit in amongst that. You know what one of the hardest things has been for me to to watch throughout my life and in pastoral ministry is, is witnessing people be deceived by Satan's schemes. Being sold a lie and as a result, seeing their life being un- unraveled. Like, a, I've literally watched a person's joy and hope and energy drain from them. You know what I mean? It could have, taken, it could have taken, been over a process of a few years. In some cases, it's been days. As Satan has deceived them. And the energy is sucked from them. And I've seen this played out in three ways. I've seen this played out in my own life three ways. The first way is I'm completely unaware about it. You mean, I have no idea that I'm being deceived. The second one is this, you can be aware that you're being deceived, but you are so unaware of the consequences or you're so unaware of the harvest you're going to produce and the third one is this, I'm aware, but I don't care. And this is how I've seen it play out. And if you want to know what I'm passionate about, what makes me tick, is I, I am driven from the fact of longing to see people be awoken to the fact of Satan's schemes. That he lies. That Satan is full of empty promises Uh, That Satan will come and place irrational thinking in our minds. That Satan loves to plant seeds. You know, seeds like, hey, did you know that the grass is greener on that side? It might be worth having a look. This is what drives me, is awakening people about Satan's schemes. And in turn, I love seeing that people come to life in hope in Jesus, seeing them discover his promises, discovering that his experience is for them, discovering his wisdom, discovering the stability found in Jesus, discovering a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that not even gold could purchase. Because this is what John 10.10 says about Satan. It says the thief's purpose is to steal, it's to kill and it's destroyed. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm not talking about a rich material life. I'm talking about something greater. A rich and satisfying life. Can you see the tension What does being deceived look like? What does Satan use for deception? Well, I want us to flick to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. In Genesis 3, um, we see how Satan uses deception in the Garden of Eden to draw Adam and Eve away from God's purposes he has for their life. So read with me in Genesis 3:3. 3, 3, this is what it says. You get an insight into how Satan uses deception. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and here we go. This is where Satan starts going. Did God really say you must eat from any you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or or you'll die. And, And Satan plants another lie. He said, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and their eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She gave it to her husband and he too ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. In an instant, humanity was changed forever. It was a a, a twisting of the truth. It was a thought planted within a mind. It was a doubt about God's love, God's purposes, and God's desire to protect you from this pain. Deceived. And if you think that Satan only worked in the Garden of Eden to deceive, I'm telling you, he does it today. See, Satan loves to take a moment or an opportunity that looks fun or exciting or maybe promising, and make it look glamorous. But deep down, he has a greater plan. The lie or the deception you believe now is a stepping stone. God, Satan wants to use for his next lie. See, deception can sound so delightful. It promises great things. It can sound so close to the truth but have hidden agendas. It almost always comes with instant gratification. It always places you and your needs as number one. Deception has this amazing way of slowly blurring out the truth until we believe that a thought or an action or a way of doing life is normal. And see, Satan will use whatever he can to distort the truth and sell a lie to you. And this is why the Bible, this is why Galatians 6 is said, don't be misled. Be alert. Stay alert. See, Satan will use anything. Think about these things. Maybe a person you have developed a close friendship with. And their ideas and their thoughts sound so compelling that you begin to believe them. Uh, maybe it's something that you've been doing life and you just thought, well, that's just how we do it. Everyone else does it. Maybe for you it's an um, an influencer you follow. And you're beginning to allow that person to create something in you of how life should be or how life could be. Maybe it's a boss coming to you and saying, hey, if you want to be successful in business, well, here's how to conduct yourself in business. Maybe it's an article you read and little do you know, it's so full of misled information. Maybe it's thought things. Maybe you're being deceived in things like you're not good enough or you're too far gone. Or he or she will make you feel so much more worth Maybe it's the the lie that we're being sold that sex is gonna fulfill you. You know, that that is the key success to life. Maybe you're being sold that lie of God's just trying to hold back from you. That he's not present. See, each time we are deceived, whether it's knowingly or unknowing, what takes place is we move or take a step further away from life and life to the full in Jesus and we step deeper into confusion, into doubt, into disillusionment, unfulfillment, hurt, jealousy, oppression. Do these things sound familiar? It's this constant sowing in and bit by bit harvesting back. I found the more we are deceived, the more we are left with empty promises, the more we go looking for solutions. I read this, I was listening to this guy speak, and he came up with this really interesting, insightful comment that made me listen intently. And he was one of these guys that had... um, played a significant role in the development of one of these major social media platforms. And what I found interesting about what he was saying is he was saying that it is becoming so hard for us to distinguish between what is true and what is actually false. And he went on to explain that uh, companies and social media platforms Um, can generate significant uh, interest back into their companies or their platform and they can generate significant amounts of money if they can produce news articles that are loaded with false information. And he was talking about the fact of, how do we combat this? How How do we deal with this? Because this misinformation is actually even dividing not just communities, but it's dividing countries. And he said this interesting thing. He says, we need to find out where we find true truth from. Like, that is what we need to find. Almost, in other words, saying, we need to find the measuring stick of what is truth so then we can balance everything else out from it. And I thought that was a very interesting thought. Because in the world we live in, we are being bombarded with more information than we ever have in history. More information with hidden agendas. More opinions, more thoughts. And I look at this and I go, well, where do we find truth in? Because it seems pretty bleak. You know what I mean? As I, I, I read through Genesis and stuff like that. But there is a hope there's an incredible hope that can be ours. And this is what John 14, 6 says. This is what Jesus says. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying it. He says I I am the way. This is what Jesus is proclaiming. I am the truth. Stop looking at it for other looking for it in other places. Jesus is saying I am it. And if you realize that, it's said in John 8:31 and 32. It says Jesus says again, if you hold to my teachings, You are really my disciples. Not not meaning that, oh, you've made a mistake or you're not my disciple. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying, cling to my teachings. Know that my teachings are the truth. Then you will know truth and the truth will what? The truth will set you free tonight. This is what Jesus is saying. And the truth will set you free. set you free. God's word is truth. Jesus is the truth. Listen to these other scriptures. I'm going to hit you with a few of them because they were all good and I couldn't decide which one to give you so I went, you're stuck with me now so here they all are. Psalm 119 verse 160 says this. The very essence of your words is what? Truth. 2 Samuel 7.28 says For you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are what? And you have promised these good things to your servant. John 17, 17 says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is what? It's truth. This is why Satan is so opposed to the things of God. Have you ever noticed that? When the truth of God comes out, sometimes you'll see great opposition. Don't be surprised by that. Because Satan hates the fact that you will know and you can experience that the truth will set you free. For those at home, that the truth can set you free tonight. Can I tell you how I know that Jesus is the truth? Why God can be trusted Why Jesus' teachings are life-changing? Because God demonstrated that he is the ultimate authority by disarming the fullness of Satan's powers and schemes. Satan's longing to separate man and God, the creator, forever. That's what he wanted to do. You know how God displayed his ultimate authority? He conquered death. And he did this personally by dealing with the separation between God and man, which was actually the result of us choosing the Satan's deception instead of God's truth. See, Jesus goes to the cross. He is brutally murdered so that we may know that he is the truth, that he is the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. In Genesis 3, if we read on a little bit more, we get to hear a glimpse of how God, we get to hear how God responded to the deception that took place. It's in that same chapter. As we read on into um, verses 14 and 15, what what takes place is um, God tells Adam and Eve, he says, the result of your choice is gonna bring hardship. Life's not gonna be the same as it was. And it says the land that you walk on is never gonna be the same. You're gonna have to do a lot of weeding in the garden. But what happens before that is God turns to Satan and he says, in this beautiful declaration of his love and authority, he says to Satan, he says, but Satan, here's what's coming to you for what you did, on the, for what you did in the garden." This is what's coming to you for deceiving my children. He says this, Genesis 3, 14 and 15, God told the the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed, cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals, cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life and listen to what God says to Satan. He says, I am declaring war between you and the woman. And as the NIV goes on to say, it says, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, if you're wondering what is taking place in that passage, God is saying, Satan, enough is enough. From this moment on, there is gonna be great opposition against you. From this moment on, Satan, you and your offspring are going to be up against Eve and her offspring. And in and through the line of Eve is going to come a person, a person that has great authority, a person that's going to do something significant for humankind, and his name is Jesus and Satan, you're going to strike his heel. He's going to take some blows. He's going to take some hits. But you're only going to strike his heel. You're never going to destroy him. But Satan, this is what's coming at you. Jesus, and these are big words. Jesus is, is going to crush your head, Satan. What it means is the victory is in Jesus. Jesus. Meaning, Satan's ultimate plan to separate us from God forever has been foiled. Now there is a restored relationship with God on offer if you want it. One of the commentaries says this While God did curse the serpent in the ground, he never cursed Adam and Eve. God's words to Satan are called the first gospel because this is the first announcement of the coming Redeemer found in the Bible. To God's old covenant people, this verse was a beacon of hope in Galatians 4. To Satan, it was God's declaration of war, climaxing in his condemnation To Eve, it was the assurance that she was forgiven and that God would use a woman to bring the Redeemer into the world. Is that not hope? Is that not just an amazing sense of truth found in our God? There's victory. See, if there's to be a victory, there must be a battle. And this is how I can tell you that Jesus, when he says he is the truth, he is the way, he is the life, is because you can see that he had ultimate victory over all things. Can I tell you that when Jesus hung on that cross for your sin and very much for my sin, a battle raged, didn't it? Remember, Jesus said it was finished. When Jesus laid in the tomb for three days, a battle raged between darkness and light. But what happened? Jesus rose again. Death even submits to him. See, why is this so important with dealing with the issue of not being deceived? Ben, come up and join me. See, God is declaring that he is the truth and the life. This is why John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. See, if we are trying to find what is true and false in any other place other than Jesus, we are setting ourselves up for deception. And this is what God's wanting to remind us. This is what God's wanting to remind me. As we press in as a church, as we long to see lives changed, as we long to see a community changed, as we long to see generations changed, as we long to see a great revival, we can't afford to be deceived. Yes, God's gracious. But there's something tonight that he's saying to us. He says, will you stop looking for it in other places? And we come to me who's the truth. What is it in your life? What things in your life do you need God to awaken afresh? Maybe there are things you're not aware of. Maybe there are things you're aware of and you're a bit naive to the full picture of it. Maybe you're aware of it and you've been going, I just don't care. Maybe we've been believing lies. Maybe we've been trying to fulfill self-gratification because that is our hope to hold back the hurt that's actually taking place in our life. And this is what we need, this is what I need. These are my tips for me, and you can borrow them if you want, is this. Firstly, we need Jesus. We need the truth in our lives. If we are not created, if we're not connected to the source of truth, we're on a very shaky foundation. We need the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell on us the, in, within us the moment we give our lives to Christ. We need to allow and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to us and prompt us and be the power in which we see victory and change and change in our life. We need the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. That's a pretty sharp sword. It judges our thoughts. It judges our attitudes of heart. The Word of God is so precious to us. This is why the Word of God is is so critical because it illuminates the truth. It guides our footsteps. It gives us a bit of a holy slap around. I don't know about you, but I need a good holy slap around a lot from the Scripture. We need prayer, the powerhouse, the position of surrenderance and humility before God. It's a coming before God and saying, not in my human strength, but through your power, Holy Spirit. And finally, we need community. This is why it's so critical for us to build healthy community, healthy Christian community. We're far from perfect. If anyone thinks that you're rolling in this place and there's a bunch of perfect people, you just need to hang around a little bit longer. But you need to get to church, you need to get connected in the connect groups. You need to position yourself as much as you can to hear the Word of God, to be encouraged by like-minded believers, people who will speak into your life, allowing the Holy Spirit to change you. Because then you will sow and you will reap a harvest of blessing from the Spirit. Uh, is that what you want for your life? I'm telling you tonight, you can't find it anywhere else but Jesus. Jesus. And so we're going to stand around this auditorium right now. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do a bit of a work. If tonight you're sitting there and you're in a bit of a place and you're feeling like, oh man, I, I've been deceived in all these ways and you're feeling guilt written and you're feeling oppression on your life, or well, you're believing another lie. Because <laughs> Jesus says, you can come to me just as you are tonight. You just Come. And offer your life and lay it back down. So here's, here's my life. It doesn't look pretty at the moment, but here it is. And he wants to come into your life tonight. He wants to be the truth in which you build the rest of your foundation. Maybe tonight you are aware of where you're being deceived. You've been believing these lies. You've been moving away from what God is saying in the scripture. He wants to bring you life and life to the full. And you're thinking, oh, but you know, it it fulfills me. I'm telling you now, just wait till the harvest comes because it won't fulfill. And maybe tonight it's just a prayer, you're just saying, God, I I just need more of your Holy Spirit. Keep teaching me not to be deceived. I'm going to do something right now before we, normally I'll wait till the music starts, but if that's you tonight, you, you need Jesus for the first time, or you've been deceived and you just need a fresh sense of the Holy Spirit to break those chains, I'm going to ask you to come out now. And it's not, it's not standing out in front of people or anything. It's a surrender. It's before God, maybe kneeling. And so if you want to do that, you can do that. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship. Because this is too critical. We're not talking about just uh, life successes. We're talking about eternity. We're we're talking about lives being destroyed. And I'm sick of seeing it in generations. I, I want to leave a mark where the next generation has been set up so well for the future. And guess what? There's a call on our lives to do that tonight. So let's pray. Jesus in these moments now, as we pray, as we worship, As we seek your face, we ask Holy Spirit that you'll come and begin to break chains in our lives. Will you give us an awakening? Will you lead us by your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, take the scales from our eyes so we can see the deception of Satan. That we may be able to lead other people into life and life to the full found in you. Lord, I want to pray for those people that tonight is the night that they need to give their life to you. Lord, I pray that they will do that, that they will know that in you they will find true hope and contentment, Lord. I wanna pray, Lord, for those people who have been deceived. Tonight will be the night that their door will be shut, Lord, and they'll begin on a beautiful path to seeing your restoration and healing work, Lord, sowing into a place of blessing, not in decay.
1: triumphs over judgment
2: here tonight and He wants to illuminate truth in us. He wants to take us from a path of deception, destruction. He wants to put us on a path towards life and blessing in Him. And I really believe the Spirit of God is is revealing things in people's hearts and lives. Maybe directions you're taking, maybe lies you believe in your own mind. And tonight the Spirit of God, as we're worshipping now as we've been hearing God's Word, He is revealing it to you. What I I want you to do tonight is to to actually mark that. These are are really important, critical moments spiritually where we mark it and we say, God, I'm not gonna believe that lie anymore. Instead, I wanna step into the truth. As I was hearing that word tonight, I was drawn to Matthew 7 where Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many are on it. But narrow is the road that leads to life and so easy for us to be swept up in that broad road that leads to destruction. But Jesus tonight, I really believe is calling some of us to, to step onto that narrow road, to follow Him, the source of truth. So I wanna encourage you tonight to come. We'd love to pray for you. And, and as Jono shared, maybe tonight is your night to say, Jesus, you are the way, you're the truth, you're the life. You've never yet had that moment where you've said yes to Him, you've been holding back. Tonight's your night, just come forward as others come forward for prayer. And respond to him. Let's continue to worship. You feel free to come. We want to pray tonight. We want to respond. The light of his truth is here. Let's respond to that
1: tonight. Mm -hmm.
3: What great words to finish on. Your heart, oh God, is all I want. That's our cry and that's our plea, Father God. It's a, it's a message, a great message. The, the, the enemy is such a deceiver, Father God. We sometimes don't even realise that we're on a path that is a path to destruction, great God. But truth be told, we wanna experience life and life to the full, the abundant life in You, great God. And Father, I pray firstly, that if we are on a path to destruction, a path of the enemy, great God, that You'd reveal those things to us, that You'd show them, that You'd, You'd open them up, that there'd be people in our lives that maybe be speaking to our lives and say, this, this, I don't think this is going down the path that God has for you. But secondly, if we know in our hearts, I pray You'd strengthen us and help us to make decisions to get off the path of destruction and onto the path of life and abundant life in You all, God. This is the cry and the prayer of our heart. Help us, great God, whatever we need to do, accountability, people in our lives to speak into, whatever we need to do, so that we can get on the path of You. So we might see Your work, Your life in and through ours, displayed, Your glory shown in a mighty and a powerful way. This is our heart, this is our cry. So we thank You, Father God. And and I agree, there may be some right now that go, I've never even experienced or thought about surrendering my life and my path to God. Maybe. Maybe just tonight you wanna do that. Maybe in your head and in your heart right now, you can just pray a simple prayer, a simple prayer. Oh God, forgive me. I didn't even realise I was going my own way, but I wanna surrender now, right now. I wanna step onto Your path, surrendering my life to You. I wanna follow You be Lord and Saviour of my life right now in Jesus' Name. Father, we thank You for those that responded online here in the auditorium and said, yep, tonight's the night. It's a defining moment, a powerful moment. So we thank You, Lord, that we can come to You, regardless of whether we've done the first time or the hundredth time, we need to continue to surrender to You, keep walking on Your path and Your direction, great God, that leads to life and life to the full. We love You, Lord, we thank You so much, and we thank You as well that You're always there for us, that when we surrender to You, it's not a no, it's a yes, this is what I've been waiting for, I wanted You to come on this path that I have for You, and we thank You for that promise. Well, Lord, we worship You tonight, we love You so much, and we pray all these things, In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen, amen. I do want to say it's so good to have you here tonight but if you didn't, if you still felt like oh, I, I do need prayer, we, we would love to pray for you. We want to pray for you. So feel free after the service to come down and chat to us. We'd love to pray for you uh, online. You can, you can touch base with us. We'd love to get in touch with you as well. Uh, but God bless you so much and whatever you're doing this week may God use you powerfully wherever you are and uh, we'd love to see you next Sunday or the corporate prayer meetings. Come and pray with us. I just want you to pray. I really want you to pray with us. So come out to that. But God bless you. And oh, there's a Connections Lounge. There's more. There's more uh, Connections lounges up the back. If you want to find out more or next steps, we'd love to chat to you as well up the back. But uh, God bless you. Have an awesome week. We'll see you soon.